Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we've got Gore Bolton, the CEO of Land Intelligence. Before we dive in and start talking to him, let's talk about the Plum Investment Group. Guys, do you have a property need funding for? Plum Investment Group is your solution. Plum helps land investors grow their business by funding your raw land purchase. It's truly an awesome deal, guys. And just to be clear, this isn't a loan. Plum will actually partner with you by putting up the money for your project. So do yourself a favor. Go check out the website. It's pluminvestmentgroup.com. Happy Wednesday, sir. Hey, happy Wednesday. I'm excited today. We have Gore here from Land Intelligence, which is this super awesome, uber high-tech thing that's over my head mm-hmm. in, in knowledge base. But I hope that he can kind of shine some light onto me because the first time I saw it, I, I looked at it and I went, holy mackerel, this is cool. It is way too smart for me, though. Well, that doesn't take much, but I'm glad I'm <laughs> I'm glad uh, Gord's here too because this is all new to me, and so it's gonna be. I know it's gonna be new for just about everyone listening, so this will be a fun show. Cool. Well, Gore, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. It, so we kind of gave you a big plate there. Said, hey, you're the you're some of the smartest in acquisitions and land information out there. Kind of tell us what you do at LandIntelligence.net. Sure. So the company is basically focused on the property acquisition business. And the biggest issue that people have in acquisition is uh, buying it right and financing it and making sure they don't accidentally buy the wrong thing. The joke I use in land development is if you ever watch Poltergeist, that was a bad land development deal where a guy built a housing subdivision on a cemetery. Yeah. So our, <laughs> our, our goal is to make sure that your daughter doesn't get sucked into a TV on your project. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. That's a good way to put it. So clarify that a little bit more. When you say you look at acquisition, is there a certain kind of asset class you look for or property type that you, y'all work in? So asset class is really pretty agnostic to us, whether, you know, whether it's multifamily. Every year in the United States, there's about a million acres of property that gets turned into something new, mm-hmm. whether it's you know, commercial, industrial, residential. Obviously, those fluctuate based on those independent markets within those verticals. Obviously, retail because of COVID right now is down. You know, mm-hmm. you know, shopping malls have been changing, but you know, golf courses are being redeveloped into into housing and and uh, multifamily again. So, oh, wow. you know, you, interesting. You, know, you get you get the fluctuation just based on uh, you know population trends. Mm-hmm. But now we're pretty agnostic. We generally stay out of the city centers. I mean, we're we're larger land tracts, but you know, the average commercial permit in the United States is only a three acre site. So there's tons of those that get done all around the country. Did you know that? No. Well, so when you say larger, you mean three acres or what what does larger mean to y'all? Yeah. So, you know, the people that buy up, you know, a thousand acres, 2000 acres, 5,000 acres, going to make it a master plan community. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are actually really rare. There's not that many of those. The majority of land development, land investment purchase decisions are really at that kind of sweet spot of, you know, three to 10 acres. I mean, you know, take an uh, average pad site for like a, a CVS or a McDonald's, you know, those are typically an acre, maybe less. Oh. Uh, so they're not that big. And so when you see the strip centers and you see the, you know, the, the commercial developments, you know, you can toss a whole lot of that stuff on a 20 acre site 
you know, the average power center, right? Like uh, Walmart or, or Home Depot or Big Box. Those are typically, you know, 20, 30 acre sites mm-hmm. at a time. So to get to a million acres, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on every year. Yeah. Well, he said a couple of terms that I, I've never heard before, but I really liked it. A power center. Like, and, and I'm assuming a power center just for definition for what I hear in my head and kind of got me excited was like this anchor that's going to be there for a while, like a Home Depot or a Walmart. They don't go yeah. away. You put them in very rarely do they shut them down and move them. So yeah. it, it's going to bring the development around it. Yeah. It's a grocery anchor. I mean, everybody's got to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just look at COVID, right. The grocery stores did pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, and I won't bring up the debate about, you know, going to grocery stores versus other places, but you know, the, the, the bottom line is, is that once you get one of those types of facilities on your project, that normally pays for everything and all the out parcels are bonus. Oh, wow. So does land intelligence become part of these deals or do y'all provide the tools to help analyze all this stuff? So land intelligence is, you know, software, software as a service, and then also consulting for being able to analyze all those deals, put the performance together. Uh, We basically work all the way through the process. A lot of our fees are tied to success of the business on the upside. So what we do is we like to look at things in a risk minimized order uh, where we can, you know, we see so many of these deals, we can normally tell somebody when they're about to waste their time. And that's, that's the biggest thing we focus on is not pursuing the deals that are a waste of time. The average developer that looks at these types of projects is going to look at, you know, 40 to 50 deals and the, and they'll narrow that down and go through due diligence on, you know, five or 10 of them. They might go through permits on two or three of them, you know, trying to get water and sewer service, all that kind of stuff, go through zoning, potentially rezoning. They might settle on one or two. So it's a high volume of information business and it's not for the faint of heart because you basically have to have the staying power to make it through the process for, you know, six months to a year minimum. Yeah. We, we just learned that the hard way with some development we were working on personally and COVID kind of played into that because our engineering firm that was doing all our studies uh, went dark on us because the whole company got COVID and had to, had to leave for a month. And so, yeah. and it was right in the time going into the election the holiday cycle and getting in front of the city council after we did our pre-con meeting with them, get them to them just for them to say yes. So it was at that point where you had to either, there's a, a line, sometimes you got to pull the plug just because it's not going to make the timelines that everything else needs to make and you have to bow out. So we, we yep. found out about that the hard way. So I think we can appreciate what y'all can do. So I kind of want to understand, because you said a couple of things in there that said, hey, you're going to have a bunch of, sounded like a bunch of properties that may fit this developers once. Then you start running, running the traps on them to see which one's going to be the easiest and less risky to develop what the end goal is. Is that a fair assessment of what you said? Yep. We absolutely believe in the, in the time-honored tradition of beginning with the end in mind. Okay. So we, what we've done is I, I've basically patented the process and the math to take uh, your zoning map and your table of permissible uses and your density mm-hmm. and get those three things to talk to each other in a computer. Oh, nice. And so now what you can do is I say all 100 acres aren't created the same. Mm-hmm. You know, can you put a big box there? Can you put an industrial warehouse? Can you put, you know, quarter acre lots, half acre lots? As you know, that density and use drives the value. Mm-hmm. So by understanding what somebody wants to put there, then we can reverse search our data to light up on a map the property that meets the end goal of what you want to do by overlaying everything from the zoning, the water, the sewer, the demographic. And now you're pursuing property, whether it's listed for sale or not. Yeah. Right? Half of all of these types of transactions never make it to a broker's desk or an MLS. Yeah. 
So they have to be able to research the information without the aid or benefit of a lot of data. So that's where we come in. We're providing a lot of that information because that market is not served by the brokerage community. Yeah. It sounds so similar to what we do and we teach with the exception of they're doing it for a developer or like a commercial developer or a residential developer, multifamily developer with their end goal in mind and working towards it. So we take that part out and we say, Hey, we want recreational type properties that meet our criteria. So that's our end in mind. And then we blanket the counties, the entire county with that type of property with uh, blind offers. And then they come back to us, whether yes or no. And then we start sorting through it, see which ones have the things, the attributes we want, or they have the access and they have the value that makes it worthwhile for us to actually do the deal and bring it to market and flip it. Yeah. I mean, when I originally started doing this, my acquisition group consisted of flyers, postcards, and uh, you know, it was like bandit signs for yep. flips, right? Uh, you're interested in selling your property. Well, now of course we can do, you know, geotag, geocoded, geofencing, Facebook and LinkedIn mm-hmm. ads over Thanksgiving. So when everybody's, you know, at home on their phone, <laughs> they can fill out a form. Right. And so, yeah, I've, we've done the shoe leather stuff over the years where we, you know, we go into a market. I mean, we basically have bought about, about a half a billion dollars worth of property in 28 out of 48 states. Nice. And so that whole process of going in and uncovering the market, canvassing the market, you know, I, I used to say door knock, but now mm-hmm. it's, you know, phone ring and uh, flyers. And and now it's digital. Yeah. I love that some of the stuff that we do is, is overlays so well. Mm-hmm. You know, with Facebook marketing, we we use that. We uh and I would call it like a basically a neighbor letter, but you know, we do it virtually with Facebook marketing. We have a company that does everywhere small business for us that geotags them and they keep seeing our stuff on their their Google site, their Facebook site, the when they get on the internet and they have anything that has an ad space, they see our stuff in there. So it's 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 really neat to see the big guys doing what I, I would call us the little guys mm-hmm. do for fun too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. You guys, you guys are in your own class. I get all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how it works for y'all? You'll do all this like geotagging stuff. People fill out a form, say they want to sell and then you'll have like an acquisitions associate or whatever, call them and start the negotiation. Yep. Absolutely. They'll basically say interested. And then we get, you know, like everything you get people that, you know, cold feet back off, keep them in the list, keep them warm, you know, just no email goes to waste. Yeah. Do y'all have that? set target? I mean, in, in y'all's world, is uh, paying retail acceptable or are y'all trying to get it for as deeply discounted as you can? So the nice thing about land development, I think this might be one of the things your your listeners are interested in. There's always opportunity to enhance value in land development if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what people might see as a retail deal in land development is a bargain. Okay. Yeah. The force appreciation concept that, you know, we talk about that with subdivision It's subdividing is the, the big thing for us. And, and when you're not going into development, it's like, how can you force the appreciation on a property? Well, if you make it smaller, the price tends to go up per acre. So if you yeah. bought it a little bit closer to market value of like a hundred acres and magically you got it down into five acre properties and you can do that legally, you add in some access. Now you force the appreciation up on those properties. Yeah. And so a lot of times what we do with folks is we talk to them about their asset mix, right? So a lot of times people don't even realize there's other rights on property besides just living there or having a store there. You've got everything from oil and gas rights to mineral rights to air rights. I did a deal in Washington, D.C. where a client of ours paid $10 million just for the air rights over top of some train tracks, right? Huh? (laughs) No, hold on. 
explain <laughs> this a little bit more because I I've heard it. Like, well, Justin's a railroad. Would say executive. Yeah, I was an executive. I was yeah. I was executive at my last position at the railroad. Um, so when the air rights of that, what, what would you use that for? Like, where's the value in ten million air rights? They're going to put three city blocks above the train yard and put a $2 billion plan development on top of it. And they basically only paid 10 million bucks for the ground and it's not even ground. Oh, wow. So they talked I'm, about that. I'm confused. Okay. No. So it, so something tied back to something you might remember over I-35, they talked about building a park over the freeway. And yeah. so you would need the four pillars or whatever the, the support system would be. And then they built, they were talking about uh, building a park. Uh, so you would buy prime real estate in an area that has a train tracks because train tracks have been there for so long that yeah. they're usually in a good city center. So you build the bridge over it and everything goes on top. It's like the it's park like, over uh, 75. Yeah. Yeah. It's genius. Yeah, it's just, it's just like the park over 75. Uh -huh. And so, so yeah, so that those are the types of things that you can do and look for that, you know, the average person doesn't realize. And as we call ourselves a lot of times the invisible asset tracker, mm -hmm. right? So those things about property, you know, sand and gravel rights, you know, mm -hmm. um, wetlands, right? Like, so reclaimed wetlands, it's a big deal to mitigate environmental impacts on other larger projects. I've worked on projects where we bought low, you know, farmland uh, at $1,000 an acre turned it into high value ecological wetlands and turned around and sold it back to the state highway administration for uh, mitigation for wetland banking at 45 grand an acre. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and I, I thought my buy for 300 and sell for $1,200 an acre was huge. Now they spent, you know, we spent five grand an acre reconverting everything into wetlands, but, if yeah. your cost is six and your exit's 45, it's not hard math. No, no. Sign no. me up. One of the things that I thought was really cool was, and, and I got a little bit of a uh, show and tell from one of your salesmen. And it was, it was cool to me that he said, Hey, if you, you came to us and said, I'm a, I'm a multifamily developer and I need to know every property that's 10 acres within a quarter mile of a highway. I want you to tell me about those y'all within seconds, you can have that lit up and let them know. And it, and it may say it's within the quarter mile highway, a mile from a Walmart or closer than that. And you hit put certain parameters and you can design that really fast. And you have that information really quick, which was the logic behind that just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, we, I mean, so we have every parcel in the country in our database, and then we overlay all of that type of information into toggles. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas you would go on a residential site, you know, you got to, you go to one of the residential listing sites and you can search by acreage and, or you, you know, acreage or number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, right? That information is not important to us except on the market side where we're doing comps and all that kind of stuff for exit strategy, right? We got it. We got to know price point and square footage and square foot costs and all that stuff for our financial models. But for our buy model, we need to know all the other stuff, right? We need to know, you know, we have one national builder, they will not buy a piece of property unless they can take out an ad on a billboard within three miles of the site. They just yeah. won't do it. And so I caught, you know, so I had to call the, we had to call the billboard companies to get them to share the locations of their billboards. And so that we could overlay that to find sites that met their criteria. Wow. So I, I'm hearing this in your voice. You kind of talked about the marketing exit strategy and you didn't get super excited you light up when you talk about the acquisition side. So are you a guy that likes to hunt the deal? Like, is that where you're at? Like you're like a hound dog. Like, uh, so trying yeah, to find yeah, it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, a thousand percent. You know, I mean, it's all it's the thrill of the hunt's always the beginning, right? Yeah. And so, I yeah, me as a as the founder, I get people that do spreadsheets better than I do. Yep. <laughs> I like it. I because I can sit. I, I'm getting excited listening to you because I'm I'm a thrill of the deal kind of guy. Like I I could look at deals all day and just be like, yes, no, yes, no, yes. Yeah. Um, and you get that kind of sense of wonder, the sense of dream. What is this actually going to be later on? And what can we do? What are our exits? I don't really care about the exit. The exit's going to be what it is, but that deal and wondering what you're going to do with it. That's the magic to me and all of this in, in land investing for me. Yeah. I like sales size. I mean, yeah, we've always been different opposites on that, but I, I'm sitting over here this whole time thinking like, who's your standard client? Are these people like us that want to be do a development deal? Or are these people that are already established people who started from the bottom now at the top or Yep. So, so basically what I like to say is we're open to all, right? We basically, I have, all of us had to start somewhere. And so we have a free forever model for Land Suite, our online SaaS platform. And it's kind of following the HubSpot model, right? Where you can go in there and get started and play around and, you know, learn some of the lingo and the terms and all that kind of stuff. But more importantly, it gets you in the community to where you might be able to partner or kind of work your way up to those types of deals and get, get some help or potentially find a partner. Um, and then of course, you know, as, as different features and stuff get added on, uh, obviously our pricing goes up and then we have enterprise for people that want to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. And then we go all the way through to as, as they grow, I, I'll give you an example. One of our clients who's, who's there in the DFW area, he was doing fix and flips. He owned some rental properties. He was introduced to us, you know, fast forward. We did one of our research in his first year with us. We basically went through setting out what his business plan looked like, looking what his target was, what he really wanted to accomplish. Uh, we went through kind of the imagination of what was possible based on his interests and his appetite. And we found a piece of property for $1.9 million, put it under contract. We also found that the water and sewer had been extended to that area, but nobody had really kind of realized that in the value. So in six months, he's now uh, flipped the contract for 3.9 million bucks. Nice. And so, you know, in six months, his out-of-pocket costs, 100,000. So he had to have money to play with, Mm -hmm. right? But his out-of-pocket costs 100 grand in six months, his return's 2 million. Wow. And he started with, he's got some rental properties. He's got, I mean, he's got some mobile homes. I mean, he's got some stuff that he does already. So he's he's aware of how it could work. Mm -hmm. He was open to coaching. He was open to guidance and he had enough access to capital to where we could make sure that he didn't waste it. I mean, one of the things you just talked about, about ending up at your engineer's office or your lawyers, you know, I call it bail money, right? Every business owner has to have bail money, bank, accountant, insurance, and lawyer, right? So you, you can spend 50 or a hundred grand on those people helping you analyze one of these deals if you're not careful. And, yeah. and then, the, and then the next thing, you know, you don't even have the deal cause you lost it in your option period. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you act like you were part of our deal. Do you know the same people I know? Um, I was in the, so, I was in the room. I yeah. was in the room. I can promise you. Yeah. The, the fun part about that one is the soft cost would have been 70,000 if I wouldn't have pulled the plug right when I did to end the contract in the feasibility period, because exactly. we three days off of that. So when you said 50 to a hundred, you're like, right. And I'm like, man, this guy's reading our mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've just, I've done so many deals, right? It's so easy to have that opportunity cost. And, and the thing is too, you never get the time back, right? Nope. So you spend all that time trying to do something and for all the other 39 deals you dropped and now you're working on this one 
and then that doesn't make mm-hmm. that's a bad it's a bad day and so mm-hmm. our goal is basically to make sure people are aware that's the way the business works that's the way it's gonna work and so what we do is provide technology to accelerate through that wasted time and money on the front end yeah i love it that i think that's a I, I don't know you can get any better than that and gore we appreciate you coming out here is there a way that our listeners can get a hold of your company and look at it and look a little bit more in depth and be a part of your community, as you mentioned. Yeah. So um, landintelligence.net, our free product is land suite. Uh, we also have a couple paid versions there too, but what we really ask people to do that are interested in this part of the business is, you know, we want to provide an avenue for people to be able to participate in it, to be perfectly honest with you, the economy, the way it is right now, the way the industry has been the last 10 years, there's kind of a vacuum of knowledgeable people that know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we see that as if, you know, where there's, where there's voids in the market, there's opportunities. So if there's some entrepreneurial folks that see this as a possibility in their life, we want to be able to provide an operating system for them to be able to do it. Nice. Cool. And I did notice when I was playing on your website, there is a mastermind group. Is that still active? It is. It is. So that's a great way for somebody to get involved, listen in. Again, the, the client I mentioned that had a really massive upside so far this year, that's where he started. He got in the mastermind. He met some of the other folks. Those folks end up potentially doing deals together. They end up getting advice from each other. They get referrals to you know experts when they have a problem. Uh, so it ends up being a really good resource for them to be able to, you know, learn, learn from others' mistakes, right? That's the whole idea of a mastermind. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm really uh, happy we had you on. Like, you really got me excited about this. I think it's very cool what you got going on. And, but I did want to clarify something. So landintelligence.net, but then your free thing is Land Suite, like an so office? Our product, yep. So our product is Land Suite. Suite, uh, S-U-I-T-E. Yep. It's a, it's a sweet deal. Oh, uh, gotcha. And so, uh, so yeah, so we basically provide that to folks. Uh, uh, It's a great entry path for people who've done other stuff in real estate that want to start taking a look at land development as an asset opportunity. And it's it's awesome. Uh, You, well, this is one of the first times I've had one of these conversations with somebody on the land development side that has your experience, but got me recharged back up. I'm like, heck yeah, we were doing the right thing for the last five years. You know, it's it's been, it's been our pleasure, uh, Gore. We really appreciate you coming out and joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are doing a great job and and I can't wait to see some of the possibilities we can create. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, guys, that's it for today. Uh, It's a solid day. As always, do us a favor, go to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, give us a like, a follow, subscribe, and then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We appreciate it. We love you. We'll see you Friday.